This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Invest Talk. It is Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. And mail the calendar does not lie. It is September. We're in September. So, I mean, the year seems to be racing by to me. I don't know about you. I, you know, think about what what the unprecedented things happened this year. Okay? Just think about it. Started with COVID-19, of course. You know, that was a big thing. And it still is with us. And it's not going to go around. We had an economic shutdown. Then we had civil unrest. I mean, we didn't have these in previous years. Just this year. So it's been a pretty tough time. And of course, the stock market have shown, you know, has reflected that. You know, there's record highs and big swoons at the beginning of March, you know, all the way through March. And I don't think we're done. We had a big, huge uh, down day today. After being up, way overbought situation. You know, so it's just, it's just very unusual. So you gotta be you gotta be aware of the crosswinds and got to be prepared for continuing volatility. And you can compensate for that. Don't think you just take it. You don't have to. There's things you can do to you know cut down some of the volatility. But you know, don't ever get out of the market hundred percent. That's just not a wise thing. Never do that. I'm Steve Peasley, and today in this program podcast, I will do my best. To help you provide unbiased answers to your questions. Any investment questions are welcome. Any Anything to do with money, I'll, I'll talk about. And of course, I know you want strategies and, you know, I want you, I know you want help in different things. Uh, I cannot recommend stocks. I won't be recommending stocks. I never do, but I can answer your questions. So if you have a question about stocks, fine. I'd rather have general questions about portfolios or 401ks or sectors, but you drive the show where you want it to go. Okay? That's what it is. Now, here on Invest Talk, and of course, my company, KPP Financial, which is based in Irvine, California, we operate on a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And we don't mind sharing our thoughts with you. What we think. Justin and I do that every day on this show. We try to provide unbiased guidance. We don't buy guidance from somebody else or some other firm. Or don't do that. We practice parallel investing, which, you know, I've described many times. I buy the same things for myself as I do for my clients. Um, and we have various strategies depending on how much risk you should be taking, how much risk you want to take. And sometimes that is in conflict. Sometimes people are taking more risks than they should, and trust me, I don't mind telling them that. If I think you're taking too much risk for where you are in your financial life, I will tell you so. If I think you're taking too little risk, I will tell you that too. But if that's what you want, less risk, that's your choice, as long as you understand the risk that you're taking. That's the big, big question. Understand it. I will help you understand it. So, if you want any kind of help, you can always send me an email. Send me uh, at investtalk.com. Just click on Contact Us. I will answer. I'm very good about answering my emails. I work on it very diligently every day. 
including the weekends, I work on it. So, let me give you a quick reminder. We're not going out to see different people in different parts of the country. That's not happening because of COVID-19. But we, the good news is we still will look at your portfolio, sit down with you either via Skype or, or uh, uh, just a telephone, jive, whatever, whatever suits you. So I, key, I encourage you to reach out to Justin or myself through investtalk.com. Okay, the main focus point today, the coming, the coming foreclosure crisis will not look like the last one. What do you mean foreclosure crisis? Think about it. People are living right now on unemployment claims and the boost in the amount of unemployment claims. There's a massive unemployment right now. You do think they can afford to pay the mortgages? So that's my main talking point. Got other things we're going to discuss. I want to talk about the um, weekly jobless claims. I want to talk about European stocks today, as well as the ISM services number. This week we had the manufacturing. The ISM comes in two pieces, manufacturing one day, manufacturing sector one day, and service sector. What is ISM? Well, I'll go over that. And how to get the most for your money if you're retired and you don't want to take much risk. How can you do that? I mean, we're living in an environment there's no interest. You can't make interest money on your CDs. You can't. It's virtually, it's below inflation. Inflation is very low. But I do think inflation is coming there. Yes. But those are the things we're going to talk about. What do you want to talk about, though? It's more important what you, I want to hear from you. 888-99 chart. And the market was really icky today. The Dow was down 808 points. The NASDAQ down 598 points. That's huge. And the S&P down 126. So let's go ahead and get started. We have a live caller. Let's talk to Timothy in Washington State. How are you doing, Timothy? I'm good. How are you doing, Steve? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah, I had a question on Humana, um, H-U-M, and... Um, Kind of doing some reading on um, some of the other plays that we can possibly look at uh, for telemedicine. And it turns out uh, Humana um, is involved in telemedicine as well. So I'm kind of thinking that might be a good um, area to look at, a good stock to look at in you know for a telemedicine play possibly. Yeah, I think I think uh, looking into uh, Timothy, I think looking into telemedicine as a potential place to invest is a good idea. You know, it's it's taken off since COVID, and just like working from home is probably here to stay in in a major way. I mean, of course, people go back to offices, but there's going to be a lot of people working from home. I know myself. I'm going to cut my office space down on the next one. The lease comes up because I can have the guys work from home half the week. You know, it's. So telemedicine is the kind, same kind of thing. My doctor that I see routinely said, well, do you want to do it remotely next time? Because he looks at my blood test and I shake his hands. He tells me what's going on and we leave. So we can do that. You know, there's, you know, the only thing, they don't take, they can't take my blood pressure over there. <laughs> but, but 
So I think it's a good idea to look into that sector. Humana provides managed healthcare services throughout through HMO, PPO, government contracts to about 16, 17 million members across the United States. It's a $56 billion company. They are growing sales by 17, 18% last couple of quarters. Going back for a year, it's always been over a year and a half, double digits growth. And they're going to make $22 a share next year in a $421 stock. That means a PE is what? Around 20? So it's not necessarily inexpensive, but when you have consistent growth and earnings and earnings going up strongly, you know, you get rewarded for that. So uh, I think it's a very strong company. It, it, they have hardly any debt. Management owns 1%. Mutual funds are buying. I mean, a year ago, they had 2,012 mutual funds. Today, they have 2,435 mutual funds that own the stock. So 420-something mutual funds added Humana to their portfolio. So I like it, and I think I think it's a reasonable price. And it certainly it went down today, but only 1.5%. So I like it. I do. I might wait for a pullback, but... Maybe buy half now and half on a pullback. Tim, appreciate the call. Thank you. That was Humana. H-U-M is the symbol. H-U-M. Okay. Over. Uh, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And each Friday on the program and podcast, I take time to share highlights from the news, uh, newest KPP premium newsletter, which I send out every Friday and write every Friday. So be listening tomorrow. I will give you some, uh, tell your friends, I'm going to give you some highlights from them. But now your participation is important and very important part of the mix of the show. We're taking your calls live, 888-99-CHART. It's been another Investor Thursday, and we've all seen the market move up down and all around. It's called volatility. And you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. My question is regarding selling, like a selling strategy. Everyone always talks about buying, but I'm curious if I've purchased into various ETFs and stocks at all different values, and I just want to sell and take profit, but keep a core position. What's the best way to pull this off? Do I sell on a first in, first out basis? I've heard I can specify which shares specifically I want to sell. So yeah, I'm just wondering what the best strategy is on this and uh, appreciate any advice and love the show. Thanks. Well, of course, uh, when you buy a stock, your, your concept should be, well, I'm going to hold this stock forever. But obviously, there's reasons to sell. And the reasons would be that the, why you bought the stock changed. In other words, the reason you bought the stock was ABC. And you wrote those down, right? As everybody does, right? Why I bought the stock. Because of this, because of this, because of this. And if those things no longer apply, that would be a reason to sell. You can also have a strategy to sell on a pullback of a certain percentage. There's all kinds of way. Or just, I can, can let me give you an example. We have been buying... Apple since 2009 for our clients. Okay, now we didn't buy. We don't buy every new client gets it right away. That's not how it works. 
But those people have had it for all those years. We have cut it back consistently when we want to rebalance the portfolio. So there's another reason to sell, to rebalance your portfolio. But we never sold out of Apple. Never. Because we want it to be part of our co-holdings for everybody. Okay? So there's all these different things. And it's hard to answer that question because I need to know you. What kind of investor are you? Are you a buy and holder? Are you a trader? Are you what? What are you? Are you getting old and you're looking for dividends? You know, to, to supplement income in retirement. Are you you know middle aged young guy and just want to be aggressive and see that all that means something. So it's hard to answer that question. There's different techniques, and you always have to consider tax consequences, long term capital gains, short term capital gains. Short-term capital losses, short-term, long-term capital losses, and try to, you know, offset your gains with your losses so you don't have to pay taxes at the end of the year. That's got to be part of your thinking. Let's go to Chris in Tennessee. He wants to talk about precious metals. Hi, Chris. Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. So I had a question for you uh, related to precious metals. I've been looking at the equity markets, and as you know, I think you said earlier today that it's very momentum-driven. And uh, yes. because of that, I've been looking into precious metals, looking into some sort of inflation hedge assets because of all of the uh, quantitative easing that's going on. I just uh, wanted to hear your thoughts on, you know, investing in that, in that sector or in that category. Yes, I think you'd need uh, – we have quite a, quite a bit – we have a lot of positions in precious metals right now, more than we've ever had before. Uh, we and we started buying those last year. So yeah, I think it should be part of your portfolio, not not just a part. Don't think, don't go crazy on me. But yeah, and you know, and it's been trading a little bit sideways because the dollar last couple of days has popped up a little bit. But I think the dollar is in a long term trend and it's still there, and that is very good for precious metals. So yeah, I think you should have a, some kind of precious metal exposure. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. Summer's moving pretty fast. It, I don't know. We're in September. Is it summer over? I don't know. Right? If you're a serious investor, you've got to be fearless. You can't let greed and fear control you. You have to be fearless. So we maybe want to talk about that. Your, your participation is very important to the show here. So please, please give me a call. We are taking your calls. 888-99-CHART. Listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Beasley. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's talk about foreclosures. That's the main talking point. You know, uh, we have for today. The coming foreclosure crisis will not look like the last one. Remember the last one? 2008, that was a really bad situation. The market left because it was a, it was a mortgage, it was mortgage driven, the, the uh, stock market collapsing. So, the reason why we're looking at next year, the foreclosures for next year, they're going to be between 200 and 500,000. That's the estimate by the experts. Of course, the experts are always wrong, but that's their ex- that that's their opinion. 
And it's going to be about a 70% increase. And where are they going to be concentrated? Top three, well, top five states. Colorado, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, and my state, California. So Colorado, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, and California. Would you like to know the bottom three states for foreclosures that have the least amount? Florida, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Maryland, and Kentucky. Kentucky is at zero, by the way. Zero foreclosures. So, now, the reason why it's not going to be as bad, because the banks have been pretty, pretty, con- in 2008, before 2008, the banks had no had no discipline whatsoever. None. They would lend someone a half a million dollars to buy a house and not have a job, not have any way to pay the mortgage, and they still lend them that money. Now, in recent years, they don't do that. They're much uh, more disciplined in who they write mortgages for. So even though foreclosures are going to jump, it won't be like it was last time. And the trend in foreclosures have been going down year after year after year. Last year was down strongly, strongly down. But that's why it will probably be different this year is because of the, the, the discipline that the banks have shown in recent years. They should always show that, but they don't. Uh, so we're going to have foreclosures, and it will all depend on how fast we can get everybody back to work and the economy covers. Because it's all a matter about paying the mortgage. you got to have a job to pay your mortgage. So it's going to be bad, but I think it's going to be pretty bearable. I don't think it's going to be as destructive as previous. It won't be nearly as bad as it was in 2008. It won't happen. Go to Rahu in North Carolina. Listen to us on podcast. Rahu. Hi. Hi, Steve. Uh, um, Thanks for taking my call. I have a question about Cura Leaf Holdings. This is a cannabis Uh player. Multi-state app operator has been increasing its sales quarter over quarter. Okay, we'll take a look. Take your opinion. Okay, uh, it's called Curl Leaf Holdings. It is a $3.7 billion company, so it's a small cap moving its way to a, to be a mid-cap company. Uh, they've, they've never made money in the past, but next year they're scheduled to make money for the first time. That will be $0.11 cents a share. Their sales growth has been over well over 100% every quarter, 100% growth. Uh, last quarter it was 142%. Before that, 174. Before that, 136. Before, before that one, 189, 231, 288. So huge sales growth, growth of sales. They are engaged in the production and distribution of cannabis products in the United States. It is out of Massachusetts, this company. Uh, let's see. It doesn't have a lot of debt, which is good. What surprised me is management doesn't own any of this company, which makes me nervous. Why wouldn't they want to own their own company with those kinds of sales? You would think they would. It's a $7.42 stock. Never made money, but next year it will. So what does a, the growth tells you that it's probably worth $7, $7 to $8. It's worth that amount. Even though the earnings is only $0.11, cents, they have earnings next year. So this is a stock you could consider because of the growth of sales. I like that part of it. So you could consider the stock. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. It got as high as $9.50. 
So now it's on its way. It's pulling back. I might wait to see if it finds support around $6. And if it did, I, I'd probably jump in around that area. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. C-U-R-L-F. Pearl Leaf Holdings. Pearl Leaf Holdings. Uh, the, the, it's, the biggest problem I have with the stock is uh, it's on the bulletin board. Just looking at it. It's on the bulletin board, meaning it doesn't trade on NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. And that makes me nervous because it can be very, very volatile. Probably wouldn't be for me. I wouldn't buy it because of that. Just because of that alone. You need to be on a bigger board. Okay, 88899 chart. Uh, okay, we're coming up on the half hour break. So just about every sensible adult in the world is currently wondering if and when. We might have an effective vaccine for COVID-19. Pharmaceutical companies in the U.S. and overseas are all racing for that solution. We know that. So as we go to break, here's my two-part trivia question. Can you name four or five large American pharmaceutical companies? And just how far back can historians trace the early practice of developing medicine or medicinal medical preparations? systems or any kind of you know methods to cure people i'll have an answer after this break but for now my phone lines are open i encourage you to call 888-99-CHART coming up on invest talk answers to your questions any money matter comparing load and no load mutual funds how to gauge your needs in retirement 888-99-CHART let's say You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments 
at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Okay, before the break, I gave you my trivia question. And, you know, we do that every day. I hope you like the trivia question. I haven't got that much feedback, so I would love to hear some feedback from you. The question was, can you name four or five large American pharmaceutical companies? And just how far back can historians trace early practice of developing medicines? How far back? Now, it's not a quick trick question. The first part is pretty simple. Okay, what, well, first of all, what is the pharmaceutical or the pharmaceutical industry? It is concerned with discovering and development and manufacturing of drugs, medications. They call them pharmaceuticals. Okay, it could be by private or public organizations. So here's the partial list, and these names you should, you are all going to be very familiar with. Johnson & Johnson, based in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Pfizer, based in New York City. Merck, working company in Kenilworth, New Jersey, AbbVie in Lake Bluff, Illinois, and Bristol-Myers Squibb in New York City. Those are, what, four of these fives are in New York or New Jersey? The modern era of pharmaceutical industry of isolation and purification of compounds and chemical synthesis and computer-aided drug design is considered to have begun in the 19th century. In other words, in the 1800s. So that was thousands of years after, after uh, intuition and trial and error led humans to believe that plants, animals, and minerals contain medical properties or health beneficial properties. The oldest records of medicinal preparations are those of early Chinese, Hindu, and Mediterranean civilizations. Okay, so an herbal formula said to have been written in the 28th century B.C. in China described the anti-fever capabilities of a substance known as Changshan. Changshan. In the 2nd century B.C., workers at the School of Alchemy that flourished in Alexander, Egypt, prepared several relatively purified inorganic chemicals, including lead carbonate, arsenic, and mercury. So we humans have been at this game for thousands of years. So I think we might have COVID vaccine by the holidays. I really do. I, I, I really I really believe that. Why? Because there's 120 uh, candidates out there all in different phases, and I think there's like 15 to 20 in phase three trials, I mean, already. And we're going to have some results pretty quickly. When I say pretty quickly, you know, it usually takes 10 years to develop and test drugs before they come out. How long have we been working on COVID-19? Not even a half a year. Maybe maybe a half a year. Yeah, half about a half a year maybe. Maybe. Okay, let's grab another caller question from 888-99-CHART. This one called in from Michigan. Hi, this is John calling from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, I was wondering if you guys could give your thoughts on the ticker symbol GRBK. Thank you so much. Bye. GRBK is Green Brick Partners Limited out of Plano, Texas, owns and develops and sells land and builds single-family homes in Dallas, Atlanta markets, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia. 
Uh, it's a $755 million company, so it's a pretty small company. Very small. They make money. They've been making money forever. Never lost money in, uh, since 2013. They're going to make $1.76 this year. That's 52% more than last year. And another 10% rise next year to $1.95. That's the estimates. And you know housing, as I reported last week, new home construction is expanding very fast. Okay, their sales have gone up in the mid-20% range or higher in the last two years. So that's how much sales they have. It's a $14.91 stock. Make $1.94. That means the P.E. is like 9. And the range of the P.E. for the last five years is 4 to 24. So for it, it's on the cheap side, but it's not super cheap or the P.E. would be much lower, right? Remember, the range is 4 to 24, and this one's at 10. Return on equity is decent, not great, decent at 12%. They don't carry a lot of debt, and they have strong cash flow. So it's a good, solid company. I'd probably wait to buy it on a pullback. That's what I do, wait for that pullback. And maybe we've, we're seeing a pullback right now, I mean, with today's activity. But one day doesn't mean a lot. It really doesn't. It's down 2%. Today, on average. Let's, so, as you know, I like to keep the pace moving at a pretty fast clip. So, let's go ahead and get to another caller question. This came in at, on our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Jack. I was calling about a quick question regarding foreign investment in my stock portfolio. I was wondering, with everything seemingly going up right now in the United States stock market, if foreign investment was a good idea seems like some of those companies might be undervalued. And because of that run, like I said, in the U.S. stock market, I was wondering what percentage of my portfolio should be in foreign investment. And if you guys got any ideas, I'd love to hear it. And I appreciate the show. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay. Anytime you talk, talk about foreign investment, probably you're upping your risk quotient, okay? The risk of foreign investments is rising. It's higher. Now there are foreign companies that are very that are much less risky than others. Now, if you're talking about emerging markets, those are the highest growth, but also the highest risk. So you have the highest potential for return, but the highest risk. If you're talking about Western European countries, you know, are you talking about Chinese? When you say foreign, are you talking about Brazilian companies or Mexican companies? See how foreign can be anything. It could be Russia. Yeah, I wouldn't invest anything in Russia. So it depends on where you're talking about. And just to give you the information, the S&P 500, the S&P 500 earnings, like 50% or so of their earnings are derived from from outside the United States. So even buying a domestic U.S. company, you're going to have some foreign exposure, depending on which company you buy. But in answer to your question, the simple answer is, yeah, you probably should have some foreign exposure. And I probably, you know, depending on what kind of foreign exposure you're talking about, if it's emerging markets, I would never have more than 10%. But if it's big, solid blue chip companies, you can have a little bit more. Go up to 18% or so of your portfolio. You know, that's what I'm talking about. 10% of your portfolio, 18% of your portfolio. But I think the majority of your position should be in U.S. stock market stocks. 888-99-CHART. Okay, weekly jobless claims fell to 881,000. 
We had over a million the last two weeks, so it fell to 881,000. But before you say, oh, that's good news. Uh, well, the government changed how they counted, changed their formula. So I'm not so sure how accurate that is. Okay, it's good news. I don't want to take that away from you. But we've got to wait a few weeks to see how accurate it is. European stocks. Worst day since July 30th for European stocks. 1.5% down France, uh, Germany, Britain, those stock markets. France rolled out a 100 billion euro stimulus package. 100 billion euro stimulus package. And it was interesting to look at what stocks were bad in the European market. Those stocks that got hit worse or were the best stocks previous. Similar to ours. Google, Apple, Amazon, those kinds of things. They were doing the best and they probably got hit worse because they did so well. People were taking profits. Makes sense. Doesn't it make sense to you? Should make sense to you. Makes sense to me. And the ISM services number came out. And remember the ISM, ISM stands for Institute Supply Management. And it's a survey. Did you know that's what it was? It's a survey of executives and they ask very simple question basically what they're asking is do you feel that your business is going to improve in the future or not it's pretty much that simple and anything above 50 percent is considered expansion that indicates expansion in our economy and our economy is made up of two major sectors manufacturing services Okay, manufacturing services. Services is far more important than manufacturing. We are a service-oriented economy. And I reported to you on manufacturing that was at a 21-month high, came in at 56%. Today, we had services come out, and that was at 56.9%. These are very high numbers. Very high numbers. Now, it's interesting, service number was even bigger last month. The previous month was 58.1. So it actually went down to 56.9. Remember, anything over 50% is expansion. So don't don't get the impression that everything is where everything is wonderful. No. It just means that the the survey is saying executives are thinking that things are going to be more positive in the future than negative. But it doesn't say what level of economic activity their company is at. So they could be at a very low level and just saying, and you know, much less than it was six months ago or a year ago, but they just feel it's going to be better going forward. See how that, and you have to interpret that. Some people take it as the economy is growing and everything is fine. Well, the economy is expanding, but from a very, from zero, we shut the dang economy down to zero. So you got, it's all got to be in context. But it is good news. It's not bad. It's better than them thinking it's going to shrink in the future. Now, as you might know, we get calls from all over the United States and sometimes all over the world. But here's a call that came in from Chicago. Hi, this is Adam from Chicago. Love the show. Just calling to ask about RGA, it's Reinsurance Group America. I've been watching it for quite a while and actually bought some around $85 mark. They seem to have a good book value. Cash flow is pretty good, and 
uh, I think the dividend is safe. Uh, I was wondering what you guys happen to think about it. Look forward to hearing from you on the show. Thank you. Okay, this is a reinsurance group of America offers traditional individual life, asset intensive, critical illness, and financial insurance worldwide. It's a reinsurance company. Do you know what reinsurance is, everybody? It's not a typical insurance company. A reinsurance company insures insurance companies. Did you know that insurance companies don't take the risk? When they write a million-dollar policy, they don't usually take a million-dollar risk. They usually sell uh, some of that risk to a reinsurer, and they may only pay out 250000 The reinsurers kick it back. They'll pay the whole million, but then they get the money back from the reinsurers. So that's what a reinsurer is. And they insure things that are really, you know, risky sometimes, things that are out there as far as risk. You know, for instance, they may uh, insure, reinsure a lot of homeowners' policies in Florida so that no one insurance company takes a huge hit when a hurricane comes through. They might come in and pay the bulk of the claims. But they take the risk of not having any claims, too. So what happens is because of this really unusual and very risky stuff they do, they can have huge profits one year and huge losses in the next. It's very difficult to analyze a reinsurer. For instance, they're going to make $6.95 this year. They made $13.36 last year. And next year, it's scheduled to make $12.45. So you can see it's pretty, it can be very volatile depending on what's happening. You know, I work, I used to work for a company that had a reinsurance company and I did loss, uh, loss analysts analyzing for their losses. And I know how, and they're all over the world, by the way, reinsurers insure things over the, all over the world. So you got, you also have uh, currency fluctuations, which makes it very interesting. But this one, uh, they're a $94 stock going to make $12.45. So that tells you that the PE is, you know, seven, eight, and that's at the five-year range is five to 16. Notice they don't get a very high PE because of the risks. They pay a 3% dividend and they're up today, 1.22% on a big down day. So, um, it, I, I, I don't have a problem with this company. It's just, it's a mid cap company, 6.4 billion. But make sure you don't buy too much of it in your portfolio if you're going to own it. Okay, just don't get overloaded. Okay, well, it looks like we're going to have cheap money, cheap loans, cheap mortgages for quite some time. So here's how average mortgage rates are priced. Today, according to a survey of the nation's largest mortgage lenders by Bankrate.com. Have you ever been to that website, Bankrate.com? I kind of like that. Bankrate.com. The average 30-year fixed Refinance rate is 3.09%. APR, 3.28%. The average 15-year fixed refinance, 25 2.56%, with an APR of 2.76. And the the adjustable mortgage rate, the 5-slash-1-year, that is at 3.43%. And APR 4.04. Okay, that's what they are right now. On the next Invest Talk, this story how retiring early affects your Social Security benefits. 
It's important to make distinctions between retiring early and claiming Social Security benefits early. There's a difference there. That story is tomorrow, everybody. For now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm going to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Good advice. Spread your money around. Stick to a well-thought-out plan for carefully divvying up your money so no single calamity will destroy your portfolio. Want to talk about it? 888-99-CHART is how to get through right now. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Hi, my name is TJ. I just had a quick question for you on Canadian Pacific Railway, back symbol CP. I've been looking at gaining some exposure to the industrial railroad sector. It looks like this company is fairly strong, has a long history of beating earnings. And I just think with all this controversy with uh, UPS and FedEx and shipping that this might be a, a lucrative play. Looking for your opinion on the show. Thanks. Okay. Canadian Pacific Railway provides rail and intermodal freight, freight transportation services over 12,700 miles a network of 12,700 miles. It's a Canadian out of Calgary, Canadian company. They do make money and been making money for a long time. They're very steady. They're going to make $13.41 this year, $15 next year. They made $16 last year. So it's pretty darn steady. So it's not exciting. Uh, growth will sh- uh, shrunk and 9% in the recent quarter. But before that, they were always growing, you know, 3 to 10% on average, maybe little bit more in some quarters so it's a pretty strong play they have they have a bit more debt than i'm comfortable with the return equity is very good at 33 percent cash flow is very strong at 21 dollars 87 they pay a one percent dividend so it's a matter of buying the company right buying it cheap is what you want right now it's expensive uh, I would say there are $292. Now, that doesn't make it expensive. What makes it expensive is the relationship to its earnings. Earnings are strong, but it's still high, high to its earnings. So their, their five-year range of PE ratio, for instance, 9 to 17. And it's $15. 10 PE would be $150. That would be at the low of their range. So they're at 292 See, it's expensive. It's at the high of the range. Kind of at the lower or the middle. So I like it, but I wouldn't buy it this this price. It's too expensive. Okay? CP is a symbol. 888-99 chart. Okay, I got one more talking point. One more. And that is how to get the most for your money if you are retired. And I'm talking about, you know, you, you, you could obviously stay in the stock market, but when you're retired, you want to take less risk, much less risk. So how do you take less risk and still get the most from your money? Now, one of the ways we do it for our clients and for myself is a bond letter, a corporate bond letter. You know, that can get us a pretty decent return. Okay, we hold the bonds, buy the bonds, hold the maturity, buy them at par, sell them, get the mature at par, and collect the interest in between. And the longer you go out in years, the more you will earn in yield. You can also do it with dividends, but dividends of stocks, the stocks are risky. 
Now you can buy, you know, some non-risky stocks out there, you know, big telephone company stocks, big oil company stocks. They're much less risky than, than let's say, high-tech companies. But most high-tech companies don't pay dividends. You can also buy gold mining stocks that pay dividends. So that what that does is it not only gives you some dividends, and unfortunately there's not a lot of them that do that, by the way, that pay dividends, gold mining stocks, but there are some very big ones out there that do. They just won't pay a lot of dividends. But you get the added benefit of being somewhat defensive, being in gold, gold mining stocks. Now, you're also going to do it with annuities. I just don't like annuities. They're too expensive. The commissions are very high. The fees are high. But you're not going to get much return. But you could do a fixed annuity, a variable annuity. There's different kinds. And you really have to know what you're doing. And most people don't. You, you ever notice that you're sold an annuity? You don't ever voluntarily buy one. Someone sells it to you. They push it on you. You know, very rarely do you go out and look, well, gee, I'm going to go buy an annuity. You know, usually somebody's pushing insurance company, insurance agency. Somebody's pushing it on. And therefore, I don't care for them. Well, not because of that, but I just don't care for them. They're expensive. You know, and, and they try, and they don't like the fact that you're stuck for many years. And there's reasons why I don't like them. Beat it to death. But they, they can provide income. They can. Buy a, a annuity that provides steady income to you. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program, which we do every day, 45 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. And of course, I'll be here tomorrow, Friday, with some of the excerpts from our KPP Premium Newsletter. Please remember to tell your friends and family members that we can choose that who they can choose. They, they can choose over from over a hundred archived Invest Talk podcasts for free. Free. And the podcasts are a great way to add to your investment knowledge. They really are. So get your free downloads at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com. Independent thinking, share success, and this is InvestTalk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlos Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.